Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. Well, this morning we're in Luke chapter 5 again, and we're introduced to a man with leprosy, and so we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this this morning. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, maybe this term leprosy uh, might be a new one for you. You might be wondering what exactly that means. I'm going to read for you a few texts from Leviticus 13 uh, that give us kind of an introduction to this disease. It's a skin disease uh, that's found frequently mentioned in Scripture. So Levit- Leviticus 13 verse 2 says, when a man shall have in, his, in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or a bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then, shall, uh, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of his flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague is in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. Dropping down to verse 44, says, He is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean, his plague is in his head. And the leper in in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry, unclean, unclean. Uh, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled, he is unclean, he shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. So leprosy is a broad term that refers to several types of skin diseases as we know them today. And some of these diseases were very contagious, therefore the person who contracted it was uh, quarantined from the rest of the people. We know a lot about this today. We're hearing about it all the time. Uh, But leprosy was, trust me, far more dangerous uh, than any coronavirus. It it was basically a death sentence to anyone who got it. Leprosy was very painful. It could result not only in damaged skin, uh, but serious nerve damage as well. Eventually, you'd lose sensitivity. That's why many, even today, that have uh, what's now known as leprosy, they end up losing their fingers or toes because they can't feel and so they'll, they'll put their hand on a hot stove, not even know it, and it'll just burn it right off. Or uh, some of them, the nerve damage impacts their eye sockets in a way that causes their eyes to actually fall out over time. And so it's a terrible disease that would really affect the whole body. And the person who uh, contracted leprosy it was considered to be virtually incurable, and so in essence it was a death sentence. Those who lived with leprosy for a period of time would have experienced the worst possible living conditions in Israel. Uh, The life of a leper was called a living death. They were unable to be with their family. They couldn't work a job because of their contagious disease. Uh, They often resorted to begging for food just to stay alive. They had to live, as we read in Leviticus, outside in the towns and in isolation from the rest of society. In fact, if anybody was traveling near them, they had to call out unclean so that they would know to stay away. If you were a leper, that became your identity. This disease ruined your life. Lepers had virtually no hope of recovery, and it was often a very slow and painful death. And the leper in our text this morning didn't just have a slight mark on him. Luke says he was full of leprosy. He had a very advanced case. So this man was hopeless. He was alone. He was fully aware of his desperate condition. So when he hears Jesus is coming to town, he comes to him uh, hoping that he might be able to be healed. 
We pick up the story in verse 12 of Luke 5, where it says, It came to pass, when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him. That means he begged him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. So the first thing we notice is he comes in desperation, begging for help. He comes in humility, falling at Jesus' feet. And he came in faith, believing that Jesus had the ability to heal him. Notice what he says there. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. He, he has no doubt that Jesus has the power to heal him. But he seems to be uh, wondering if Jesus w- is, is willing to. He knows Jesus can if he wants to, but he's not presuming that he would. Matthew's account of the same story adds this interesting detail in verse 2. It says, Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. The leper worshipped Jesus before he was healed. So we see he came in desperation, came in humility, he came in faith, and he also came in reverence. It's interesting to me, he, he comes worshiping Jesus while he still has the question in his mind if Jesus is actually going to heal him. He knows he has the power to, but he's not sure that he will. And yet the text says that he worshiped Jesus. And this man's approach to Jesus is a good example for us in our prayer. We know God is sovereign. We know that God can do whatever he wills. And yet sometimes we wonder, is he going to take away this thing that we consider to be a reproach? Think of Paul when he uh, approaches Christ and, and asks him three times to remove a thorn in his flesh. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for thee because my power is made perfect in weakness. And so it was God's will for him to endure that affliction, even though he had asked God to remove it. And so in prayer, we ought to approach God very similarly to this man. We ought to be, uh, have faith that God can, and he can answer whatever requests we might have, but ultimately trust that if God is willing for us to go through that, that must be what's best for us. And so we worship God, uh, not presuming or demanding that he do our will. Rather, we come in worship accepting whatever his sovereign will deems best. Verse 13, we see Jesus' response to the man. He says, uh, the text says, He put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. Uh, touching a man with leprosy would be like going near somebody that you knew had COVID today. You would never do such a thing. And yet Jesus touches this man. The greatest fear people had when a leper was around was that they might get too close and contract the disease. That's why they would call out, unclean, to warn anybody around. But Jesus touched him. No doubt this was perhaps the first time in years, because this man's advanced case, that he had ever been touched. Some have pointed to this as being a violation of the Old Testament law. They've said, well, Leviticus says you're not supposed to touch a leper, and Jesus touched him. So is that, is that a violation of Scripture? I don't think it is, because when Jesus touched the man, he was no longer a leper. Instead of the leprosy infecting Jesus, the touch of Jesus cleansed the man, and he was instantly healed. It's interesting, Mark adds another detail in his account. He says, There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. Compassion for this man in this condition is what led Jesus to be willing to heal him. Uh, Verse 14 of our text, it's interesting, the the instruction Jesus gives the man. He's now been cleansed of his leprosy. And he tells him in verse 14 to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing, according as Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. Uh, Clearly, Jesus did not heal this leper for fame or notoriety. He just did it for the sake of compassion on this man. He didn't want to have 
a big fanfare about this miracle. Leviticus 14 instructs about what, what a leper is supposed to do if he happens to recover from leprosy. We'll not take time to read it, but I'll give you a summary of that chapter. If you have more questions on this, Leviticus 13 and 14 are the chapters basically on leprosy. But if somebody uh, were to, to, over time, become cured of their leprosy, if there was no sign of infection, then they're supposed to come to the priest basically for an inspection uh, to make sure that they were safe before they could re-enter society as a clean person. And so they would bring two birds. Uh, one would be sacrificed and the other one would be set free. The leper would be pronounced clean. They'd have to shave his hair, even his, uh, his beard, his eyebrows, everything would be shaved off. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he would have to wash himself. He'd wash his clothes. And then he'd have to remain outside his tent for another seven days. And then the leper would come back. He'd bring three lambs, some flour, some oil for additional sacrifices. And the priest would dip some of the blood and some of the oil on his finger and he'd touch the tip of his right ear, the tip of his right thumb, and the tip of his big toe on his right foot. It's kind of a strange ceremony, uh, but I think it all has meaning to it. Again, if you want more information, Leviticus 13 and 14 are the places to go. It's possible that Jesus is telling the man to go to the priest and not tell anyone about his cleansing so that the priest would not hear of the miraculous hearing before the man arrived and then out of hostility to Jesus deny his cure. Because again, the priest really had the final word on whether this man was going to be given his life back, whether he could re-enter society. Notice in verse 15, the instruction of Jesus is completely disregarded. It says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Jesus told him, don't tell anyone. And it's like he went out and got a newspaper and just spread it everywhere that he could. When word got out that Jesus could heal lepers and he didn't charge a copay, people started lining up. And we see in verse 16, after their coming and to be healed of him, it says he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. The more people flocked to Jesus and were amazed by him, the more he depended on his father. Jesus here is in the midst of a very busy season of his life, yet he took time apart from the crowd to rest and to pray. He had to take care of himself in order to take care of others. A withdrew and prayed are both their present tense in Greek, which shows a continuous action. This was not a one-time thing. Jesus regularly withdrew from the crowds and spent time in prayer. As he grew in popularity and more people were coming to, heal him, uh, to be healed and to hear his teaching, he regularly was withdrawing from the people and spending time alone in prayer. We must take time out of our lives for rest. I think a lot of us tend to struggle, right? We're on one end of the spectrum or the other. There's some that are workaholics uh, that just work and work and work and just they, ha they need to be told, you need to take a break. You need to rest because you're working yourself to death. And then there's other people that rest regularly from all of their resting, right? They just never do anything. Uh, and so B Jesus has the perfect balance here. He poured himself out into ministering to people, and then he would withdraw for a time and rest. And he would spend time in prayer. J.C. Ryle said, The most successful workmen in the Lord's vineyard are those who are like their master, often and much upon their knees. A lot of us think we can get more done if we're just more productive and we don't take the time to rest and pray. And yet that's exactly the opposite approach that Jesus had. Jesus was very busy. You think, man, he could have gotten way more done if he wouldn't spend all of this time away from the, the people praying. Uh, but that was not his perspective. And in an argument from the greater to the lesser, if Jesus had to or felt it necessary to uh, 
spend time in prayer to his father, how much more should we? So after a day of teaching and healing, we get this glimpse into Jesus' private devotion with God. Now that's our, our basic text. You may be tempted to think, that doesn't have much relevant for me. I mean, I don't have leprosy. I don't know how I'm supposed to apply this. But I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 1, where Scripture uses uh, leprosy as an analogy for sin, of which all of us are infected. Isaiah 1.4 says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick, and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Isaiah is saying here that as sinful people, we are all born lepers. Uh, leprosy is a picture of our sin. And we don't have just a little mark, but rather from the sole of our foot into the head, we're just full of sores. Because of our, our sin, we're quarantined from having a relationship with a pure God. But if we come to Christ as this man did in desperation, with humility and faith and reverence, that he has uh, the power to heal us and God will touch us in our leprosy and cleanse us. Not because we earn his favor or deserve to be healed, but because of his compassion on us. First uh, John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What we need is the same thing that the leper needed. We need cleansing. We need cleansing from our sin. You might feel like the leper did that day, believing Jesus has the ability to cleanse you, but wondering if he really would. Would he do that for you? Hear the response of Jesus, I will be cleansed. He is both able and willing to cleanse your heart of sin. See, in uh, John six thirty seven, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Jesus never rejects a sinner who comes to him in faith, in desperation and in humility, seeking the healing touch of Christ. Now, for those of us who have experienced this cleansing from sin and were uh, restored to our proper fellowship with God, what should our response be to this healing? I want to go back to uh, the temple ceremonies just a little bit to think about these some more. Jesus told the man to go to the temple and perform these ceremonies that were required for a cleansed leper. First, he would have to be shaved of all his hair which I think symbolizes a newborn baby. He's given new life. Uh, this is a, a fresh start, basically, for a man who was a leper. He would offer sacrifices like the two birds, one of which would be killed, and the other one would be dipped in the blood of the killed one and then set free, which pictures that Jesus, of course, died on the cross for us. Anytime you read Leviticus, there's just so many pictures of the cross, that Jesus dies on the cross, and because of his death, uh, we're like that second bird that's able to be set free. The man would then have blood and oil put on the tip of his ear, the thumb of his right hand, and the big toe of his right foot, which I think symbolizes his dedication to God, that he would listen to God, that he would serve God, and that he would walk in his ways. This is something like what we do in baptism. Uh, we saw that last week with Rob and JJ here, that we baptize them, and it's a picture of their commitment to Christ, that they're identifying with Christ's death, burial, resurrection, uh, and that they're committing themselves to serve the Lord. The next thing this man did as a response to his cleansing, of course, was what Jesus told him not to do. He went out and told everyone. Our text in Luke implies this, but it doesn't go quite as far as Mark does. Mark 
You might be thinking, well, maybe this guy didn't tell him. Maybe somebody just saw the miracle and they spread it. No, Mark clears it up. Mark 1.44, Jesus says to him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. I mean, this man does the exact opposite of what Jesus tells him. I mean, he doesn't just tell a, you know, a few family members. No, he just tells everybody that he sees. Jesus heals the man. He tells him, don't tell anyone. And instead, he tells everyone. In part of my sermon preparation, uh, I've taught a couple of you this. And Catherine is really great at this. I try to problematize the text. Uh, it might sound weird to you. But I try to think of... Uh, what don't I understand about this? And then those are the areas I focus my attention on because that's normally where the learning comes. And so in this text, I've been thinking all week, what, what caused this man to do this? He had very clear instructions. I mean, Jesus was crystal clear. Don't tell anyone. Uh, but instead, he just goes out and publishes it to everybody that he can. And I don't know that I have a great answer of that, but as, as I was thinking about this and sort of judging this man, I'm looking down on him for his disobedience to the, uh, the clear command of Jesus I was convicted of the fact that I think I'm guilty of a far worse disobedience because I've been cleansed by my sin too. I've been set free just like the leper. But instead of telling no one, Jesus commands me to tell everyone. And many times we do the opposite of that. And which is worse, the leper being so affected by his healing that he can't help but tell others about Christ or us being so unaffected by the cleansing we've experienced that we don't feel a compulsion to tell others. Both are disobedience. But from my perspective, my own silence is far worse than his unbridled excitement. If you feel no compulsion to tell others of the cleansing you've received from the great physician, that should lead you to question if you have truly experienced his healing touch in your life. And so today in closing, just a couple of points of application. If you've never come to Christ for cleansing, uh, maybe you, you recognize your sinfulness for the first time and you've not experienced forgiveness of God, I would encourage you to do so today. He is willing and able. You don't have to think, well, I know God can forgive sin. I'm just not sure if he would accept me. No, Jesus says he'll not cast you out if you come to him. If you have been set free from your former condition of spiritual leprosy, let me urge you to spread the good news of that cleansing to others around you. We ought to take the example of this man and follow the clear command of Christ to publish the matter everywhere we go. Are we spreading this news or are we keeping the cleansing to ourselves? I mean, how terrible would it be if somebody had a cure to coronavirus right now and they just kept it bottled up to themselves? We would think that's a terrible thing for them to do. And yet we have a far greater cure to a far worse illness. And many of us keep it hidden. We keep it to ourselves. We're glad we're saved. We like our church family, but we don't, we don't think about others around us. And so I just want to encourage us all to be more mindful of the fact that everywhere we go, we see spiritual lepers. Everyone around us is a spiritual leper in need of the cure of the cross. Let's, let's be uh, encouraged from this text to be so excited about the cure we've received that we'll spread it around like this man did. came to pass when he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who, seeing Jesus, fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. He charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. 
But so much the more went there a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Father, we come to you now in prayer as well, and we seek uh, your will in our lives. God, we want to do your will, and yet we struggle so often, especially in this area of evangelism. I know my own heart, it's so easy for me to bottle up the salvation that I have. I love the gospel, and I love the fact that I'm saved, but sometimes I love it so much I keep it to myself, and that's the wrong response. And I pray that the, the conviction that I'm feeling, God, would lead me and all of us uh, to spread the good news of the curing touch of Christ. We've experienced your cleansing, God. We've experienced your forgiveness. We didn't deserve it, but we came in desperation to you, seeking that cleansing touch. We thank you, God, for that. Maybe for some of us, we just need to be reminded of what you've done for us in Christ and, and be thankful for it. But I pray that that thanksgiving and that amazement at your mercy would lead us all to spread the news of your cure to everyone around us. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.